Praise the Lord. What a great song of declaration, especially if we find ourselves running on empty, which is what we've been talking about for the last few weeks, you know, is just to say our God will not be moved. Our God will never change. Our God will reign forevermore. If you're thankful for that this morning, say amen. And if you believe it this morning, say a louder amen. Right? We believe that. Our God will not change. He is with us this morning, and we praise him for that today. Well, it's good to be here today. Thank you, Pastor Nathan and praise team for that selection of songs that in my heart, anyway, I'm convinced as always, but especially today, that it was very directed by the Holy Spirit. My heart is rejoicing today and full uh, as a result of our worship time together. Aren't you glad that the Lord comes to meet with us? Okay, I'm glad the Lord comes to meet with us. May we never take it for granted. God help us. May we never take it for granted. If you have your Bibles this morning, 1 Kings chapter 17. Over the last couple of weeks, uh, we've been looking at, uh, we've actually been looking at Psalm 139, a couple of different passages there. And we've been looking at um, really kind of the first two steps in ways that God can help us um, if we find ourselves running on empty. As I opened this series, I told you that I'm preaching from my own uh, life right now. I'm preaching to you from where I'm at. And the Lord is teaching me uh, through a, a season that I, I could say, that in a lot of ways, just kind of running on empty, the Lord is teaching me and helping me. And so the only thing I know to do is just share with you what I feel like the Lord is speaking to me, and hopefully it'll be helpful uh, to you as well. And the last couple of weeks we've done that. God has reminded us that we need to uh, remember upward and remember who he is. Remember that he is God. Remember that he's in control, that he's a God that loves us and helps us, but he's also the creator God who is over all things and more than able to work in our lives. And I'm thankful today that as we remember who God is, that he promises to work in us. So we need to remember upward. We talked last week about reflecting inward and being reminded that God needs an opportunity when we're running on empty to just search us and know us and see if there's any area of our life that he wants to change and mold and make more like him. If you're grateful this morning that God is still in the business of transforming us into his image, say amen. That's what the desire to live a holy life is all about, God working in us continually day by day. And uh, that way, even in seasons when we're dry and even in seasons that may be difficult in our lives, that God's work can continue in us. Today I want us to see, take a look at kind of the next thing that we need to do when we're running on empty, and that is open our hearts to receive, receive provision from God. As we remember upward and we reflect inward, we're also reminded that God will supply all our need according to his riches in glory through Christ Jesus. And I'm thankful for that this morning. Even, even when we're running on empty, his promise is still to provide. First Kings chapter 17, uh, beginning with verse 7 is where we'll be looking today. We catch up here this morning with the prophet Elijah, and he had been instructed by God to go share some news with King Ahab. Now, you might remember in your church history, as you rewind your mind to maybe passages you read before, uh, King Ahab was the king of Israel, but he was also a very wicked king. He was leading the nation of Israel away from God. He was leading them to worship idols and all kinds of other things. 
uh, terrible things. He was just leading them down a completely the opposite path of what God had intended. And uh, he also served this way along with his wicked wife by the name of Jezebel. So this wicked duo was leading the nation of Israel at this time. And it's with this backdrop that Elijah is commanded to go and tell King Ahab that from that day forward there was not going to be any more rain on the land until God gave the word through Elijah again. This word comes from the Lord through Elijah to Ahab as punishment for the wickedness that's taking place in the land at this time. So Elijah goes and obeys God, and he shares this word with King Ahab. Well, Elijah also knew that he was going to be affected by uh, this drought that was going to come as a result of no rain. And so God speaks to him and says, you know, basically, Elijah, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to send you to a place where there's a brook, where there's some water, and you're going to go there and I'm gonna and I'm gonna give you that water to drink day by day and ravens are gonna bring food to you at least a couple of times a day and I'm gonna take care of all that you need. If you're thankful that you serve that kind of God, say amen. He's our provider today. Well the drought wears on over time and eventually the brook that God sent Elijah to dries up. And when the brook dries up, no doubt Elijah finds himself running on empty and probably thinking, okay, God, now what's going to happen? And it's during this time that Elijah finds, some, finds out some truth about God, about how God operates when we're running on empty, that I believe that we can tap into what he learned today as we look at this story. So look again, 1 Kings chapter 17. When we're running on empty, God's provision comes just in time. We're going to be breaking down um, this series of verses, so keep your Bibles open. Just in time, verse 7. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. After Elijah had been obedient, after he'd spoken to King Ahab, after he'd done everything that God had commanded him to do, eventually the brook still dried up. And it was time for God's provision, think about this, it was time for God's provision to come in a different way. In other words, it's a good reminder for us as a side note that God's provision doesn't always come the same way all the time. We have to have hearts that are open and willing to see that God sometimes changes direction and says, I'm going to provide for you in a different way. And when that day came, God was faithful to speak and give new direction to Elijah just in time. The word of the Lord will always come to us just in time if we're listening The word of the Lord will always come to us just in time if our ears and our hearts are open to him. If we'll wait upon him and trust in God, he's faithful to lead us even when the brook dries up, even when we find ourselves running on empty, even when it seems there's no provision in sight. I'm sure that you've had examples of this in your own life. I know in my life I can look back and just see how God has been a just right on time God so many different 
times. One example for us was when we were making the transition here. We, um, we had to do what any of us have to do when we make transitions to a different town. We had, to, we had to put our house on the market and sell our house. And we knew that as we made the decision, we knew that going in. And uh, sure enough, I mean, just the first day that we made the announcement to the church and, and a guy called me that night and he said, hey, we love you, Pastor. We're glad that, you're, that you've been here and been our pastor and, and went on and on about that, you know. And I thought, okay, this is going to be a short conversation. He's just thanking me. He goes, we sure have been glad you're here, but we, we really just want to buy your house. We're kind of glad you're leaving. <laughs> he didn't say that last part. But that's kind of how it felt, right, you know, a little bit. So we had a good joke about that. So he said, uh, the only thing is we have to sell our house. And I said, hey, you know, no problem. If you guys are interested, come look at it. We can sign an agreement. We've got a few months because we're not making it. was It was uh, February. We're not making the transition until June. I mean, come on, four or five months, plenty of time for God to work and, and all of that. And so the, the time began to tick away. And we know the house is sold, not even a worry in February, not even a worry in March. April rolls around, I'm beginning to think, boy, I, I kind of hope they get their house sold because, you know, we're getting down to time here. And then, sure enough, April's chugging along, and I'm thinking, we need 30 days to close, and we want to move the 3rd of June. I mean, we had it on our calendar. This is move day. We want to have the house we'd picked out of place, and we had all that ready. Here's when we're going to close. April chugs by. Now it's May 1. I'm going, hey, you right? Come on. Uh, May 10th goes by. Mother's Day. Uh, uh, Janet and Phil, Polly invite us out for lunch on Mother's Day that day. I just remembered that because I remember where I was. Uh, we'd went there. We were leaving that day. And by this time, I'll just be honest with you, in my mind, I was already calculating because that's what we do, right? I was already trying to figure it out for God figure out how he was gonna work, figure out how we were gonna make it through, maybe having to still kind of do some driving back and forth and all of these things. I was already processing it in my mind. We're leaving Janet and Phil's house. I'm stepping down the steps of their porch, headed to the car, and my phone rings. And it's the guy who's buying our house. And, and I said, hello, and he said, hey, he said, um, I just wanna to touch base with you. Uh, things are working out. Uh, I think that we've got our house sold, but there could be a problem. I'm going, right, isn't that what we do? Oh, brother. He goes, the problem is, is that the people need to close very quickly. Could we, could we set the closing up for June 3rd? I know it's only two weeks away, but would June 3rd work for you guys? Right? Just in time. Does it always work that way? No. Is God's timing always perfect? It's always perfect. God always works it out just in time time, in his time for us. Elijah, the brook was drying up, right? What am I going to do? Where am I going to get water? And God speaks again and says, Elijah, it's time to move on. God provides always just in time. When the brook dried up, listen, when the brook dried up, Elijah heard from God. Can I just remind you this morning that if the brook is drying up, open your heart, open your ears, because God wants to speak to you. If you believe that, say amen. It's true this morning. He's a God that wants to speak to his children. Not only does God provide just in time, but his provision also comes in ways we don't expect. Look at verse 9 with me. Go at once, so he's still by the brook that's dried up. Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. God sends him to the region. Now, we read right over this, and it really doesn't mean much. But let me point out a couple of things to you about why this is a way that 
you just would never expect a couple of reasons. There's probably more. He sends him to a region. God sends him to this region of Zarephath of Sidon. Now, you may not know it, but Queen Jezebel's father ruled this region. Jezebel's father ruled this region. It was a wicked, wicked, wicked region. She was wicked because it had been passed down to her. And so this is the region that God is speaking to him and saying, here's where I want you to go. I mean, Elijah had to be going, now wait a second. Are you sure you're sending me to the right place? I mean, this is Baal's hometown, right? And this is where you're sending me? Can God, God, can you work in such a wicked place? I mean, that had to be going through his mind. And the second thing that, that is just way that we don't expect, he sends him to a widow, you catch this? He sends him to a wicked region, and then he sends him to a widow. Now, in that society especially, widows were marginalized in that society. They were the first to suffer. When things got difficult, they would suffer before anyone else would suffer during a time of famine and drought especially. And they were dependent on the charity of others. This is not a place where a person would normally look to receive charity from someone Else. Are you capturing this this morning? I mean, how ridiculous this must have sounded to Elijah as God speaks. I mean, it just didn't make sense. It could not have been. If Elijah had a list of 50 ways that God would provide, like this wouldn't have made the top 5,000, right? It just wouldn't have. It was so very ridiculous. And yet, in hearing the word of the Lord, he had to make a decision. You see, when we hear God speak, when God opens doors, when God begins to give us a direction, we have a decision to make. Either we begin to walk with God and follow his, the word that he gives us, the way that he gives us, the will that he puts out before us, or we make the choice not to do that. And Elijah had the decision to make, even though things look so ridiculous. Am I going to trust God, or am I going to try to figure it out on my own? Can I just remind you this morning that God's provision often comes in ways we don't expect and often comes from sources that we're not even looking for. How many times in your life have you found that to be true? Ways that we're not expecting, sources that we're not looking for, and yet God's provision comes in abundance. Just this past week, Michelle and I um, began, I guess it's been 10 days now, our journey. Um, as you know, a, a few months ago, we shared with you that um, God, we felt like God was calling us to, to foster parent. And so, um, so we began, began that journey. And, and, and I asked the question as I watched Michelle prepare for the children to come over these last uh, few months. Um, as, as a woman is, is pregnant and, and, and expecting a child, normally at some point uh, they begin what people refer to as nesting, Right? They begin to get everything ready, right, in the, in the room, in the house, everything they begin to get ready for the coming of, of the child. And I ask the question, can a foster mom nest? Because I think Michelle's been doing it for five months, getting all this stuff ready, right, thinking all the things we're going to need, all the things we might need, all the things that we might need, like in the worst case, I mean, she's just been, ooh, and I've been like, slow down, right? And so, um, so as the kids came, uh, we discovered that no matter how much you prepare, and you know this, no matter how much you prepare, there are still things that you don't think of, right? And so Michelle is making of, here are the things I forgot list, right? She's making that list. And again, I'm going, whoa, slow down, <laughs> right? Because my question is always the question that we should never ask our spouse. See, some of you are already laughing because you know what the question is. 
what's this going to set us back, right? Like, how much is this going to cost us? And uh, she told me. And I got up off the floor and sat back down in the chair. No, I'm kidding. And I said, well, that's okay, but we just need to watch our budget the rest of the month, right? No kidding. Within 10 minutes, there was a knock on our door. And a, a lady, a friend of Michelle's, comes in, and she has probably a third of the things that were on the list in her hands. About maybe 10 minutes after that, Michelle gets a text that says, hey, uh, I know there's probably things you've forgotten. Here's $50. Just wanted to send it to you and let you, I mean, within, within like 25 minutes, these things begin to happen. And then the, the real kicker is this, and, and I can't make it up. I'm just telling you how it happened. You wrestle with it. I wrestle with it. This is just what happened. Within 45 minutes, an email comes through. Now, this is, it. This is Tuesday night. I don't know how late it was. A week ago, Tuesday night. I don't know, probably uh, 9, 9 o'clock maybe. She gets an email. It comes through to her phone. She looks at it. It's an email from her boss. And it basically says, hey, I'm sorry. I overlooked some commissions uh, for you. And uh, can you take a look at this? I think this is right. And sure enough, like three or $400. Uh, within 45 minutes. God began to provide in ways that only God can provide from sources that you would never, ever expect. I can tell you with all of my heart that that's the first time that those things have, have happened that way. And only God knew exactly what we needed. I'm glad we serve a faithful God, aren't you? Now, you wrestle with it, but here's what I know. He may not provide for you exactly the same way or exactly the same time, and he sure doesn't do it for me every single time the same way. But don't discount sources that you're not expecting. Don't discount ways that you weren't expecting for God to provide because our God is a God who always will come through. If you believe that, say amen. Every single time. And it's not just money. Sometimes it's encouragement that we need. Amen? Sometimes it's hope that we need. Sometimes it's a job. Sometimes it's fulfillment in life that we need. And the list goes on and on and on. How will God's provision come? I don't know. But I know that God is faithful. Many times in ways we don't expect and will always come through. Elijah found that to be true and so do we. God's provision comes just in time in ways we don't expect. And it also comes as we persevere. Let's read on, verse 10. So he went to Zarephath. So in other words, he obeyed, right? He went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called, And bring me, please, a piece of bread. Verse 12, As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread. Only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son so that we may eat it and die. Wow. You stop reading right there and you're like, wait a second, right? We're called to persevere. We're called to persevere in order to receive God's provision in our life. And Elijah experiences here what we often experience. There's often roadblocks as we follow God's plan. There's often roadblocks as we follow God's plan. 
We hit a roadblock. The question then becomes, will we trust God's plan? Will we trust God's leading? Or will we give up too soon? Elijah is at the gate of the city where God tells him to go. And he sees this widow, and he has to be thinking this, right? The brook dried up. I'm thirsty. And I'm hungry. I've been traveling. And Lord, you've, re- you've led me right here to the city gate, and there's the widow you said that I would see when I got here. There she is. My provision is on the way. And he yells out to her, hey, you know, bring me some water and some, please bring me some bread too. And, and without, without knowing how God is going to provide, I know what Elijah's expectation was because I know what our expectation would be. God is sending me to a rich widow who's going to be more than able to take care of all of I, that I need. Isn't that, wouldn't that be our expectation? Like, God, you've sent me here. There's the gate. There's the woman. Wow, now I can live in luxury, right? Pour it on, God. But instead, she says these words. Now, she doesn't say them, so forgive me. But she says this. Are you crazy? Isn't that what she says? Are you crazy? Bring you water and bread? Are are you crazy, Elijah? What are you talking about? I mean, my son and I literally, man, my son and I are fixing our last supper. I mean, this is it. This is all we've got. Roadblock. Dead end, really. I mean, if you take this literally, dead end right here. We're done. It's over. What do we do? Now, let me add this other layer in here. What do we do when we're running on empty? I mean, it's one of the things to face roadblocks when our heart's pretty full. But what happens when we're running on empty, when we are out of gas physically, emotionally? I mean, everything. What do we do when we hit a roadblock? When we're running on empty, these these roadblocks or these kind of perceived dead ends tend to cause us to feel even greater stress and greater temptation to just give up. To just throw in the towel. Well, God, I thought that this is what you said, but it doesn't seem right. And so, you know what? Just turn around there at the gate and walk away. You see, that's one choice. But provision is always waiting for us as we obey God's plan. If we will persevere in God's plan, if we don't get discouraged when roadblocks happen, I'm talking to you plain today because it would be real easy for me to say, hey, God's going to provide. He's going to take care of you. Everything's going to go great. Just trust him, and we go home. But the reality is, as we walk in his plan, there will be roadblocks along the way, and everybody said. So let's just call it for what it is this morning. These are tough things that, that can happen. Provision, though, will always be there if we persevere, if we wait upon God to work. I want to give you an example of that. How many times have you been running on empty emotionally or spiritually or whatever way, and you're looking for God to give you that provision, and God speaks to you during that time where, right, I mean, it's empty, and God speaks to you and directs you to help someone else around you in some way. God, you want me to help someone else? I mean, Come on, I, I'm empty, right? I mean, you know where I'm, where I'm traveling right now, and you want me to, to help someone else? I'm the one that needs help, God. You ever say, no, we, no, we wouldn't speak that out loud, right? But God, remember where I'm, where I'm walking here? Like, I need help. And instead of dropping what I need in my lap right now, you're telling me you want me to, to go and serve somebody else, to help someone else? 
I told you, I'm, I'm sharing with you out of where I'm walking, right? So a few months ago, the Lord and I were having these conversations similar to this. And that's when he clearly call, spoke, and, and, I, and I don't know how else to say it. He called us to help with these kids. You didn't know who they were. But he called us to that. And he made it clear. Like I told you, if you remember back to when I shared this with you a few months ago, like it was as clear and as real and as much of a wrestling match for me as my call to ministry. Because I'm going, Lord, there's no way that this can be the right timing for this. I'm running on empty. But God's direction was clear. And we finished the extensive training and all the hoops you have to jump through, right? And then the kids came. And our focus has been on all we can do for them. And a lot of ways we're tired. <laughs> and to be honest, still running on empty. But I can tell you that there's already been unexpected provision that has come as we've experienced the blessing of not only sharing love with them and sharing life with them, but can I just tell you, the blessing that has come back as we've done that to our own hearts and lives. I mean, it's like God whispered to me this week and just said, this, is this not filling your tank? Like, is this not bringing you fulfillment and joy? He said, you just have to persevere. And if you'll obey me and you'll keep walking with me, again, in unexpected ways, I'm going to provide. And he's providing for us, and we are feeling it as much or more than we are providing for them. It's not easy. There are roadblocks, absolutely, every day, just like you. But as we persevere, God's love and care and provision is given and received in abundance. It doesn't all make sense how that serving someone else and helping someone else when we're empty can help fill our spiritual tank as we persevere, but it does. Here's the example right here in Scripture. Are you ready? The widow. Where's the widow? She's running on empty. Hey, we got one more meal, and that's it, right? And what's God say to her? He doesn't say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pour into your life exactly what you need. You don't have to do anything. She says, he says to her, I want you to provide for Elijah. That's what God says to the widow. If you go back to verse 9, it says, God directed the widow to provide for him. He directed her, God directed her, to provide for Elijah. Now, we don't see that her faith was very strong from her response because Elijah shows up and she's like, hey, I don't have anything, right? But if we continue to read on, even when she says to him, we only have enough for us, right? Let alone you. I want you, if you read, notice their responses. Verse 13, she just says to him, we're done for. And here's how Elijah responds. Don't be afraid. That's a whole nother, right? Don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. But first, make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. The jar of flour will not be used up. And the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. Verse 15. And she went away and did as Elijah had told her. She persevered. She didn't give up. 
She did what didn't make sense. She stepped out in faith and did exactly what Elijah had asked her to do. They were both running on empty. They were both hungry. They were both thirsty. They both had reasons to give up and abandoned God's plan, but they persevere. And because they persevered, everything that they needed would be supplied. They believed enough in God's promise that they didn't shop, stop short of his provision. So often we, we, we have the promise, but we stop short of the fulfillment of the promise. Persevere, knowing that God will provide, even when it doesn't make sense. I thought about this. So often we stop at the gate, where Elijah stopped, so often we stop at the gate and we never make it to the kitchen. So often we stop at the gate and we give up just short of the full provision that God has for us. Persevere in the truth and know that God will provide. We see that as provision comes, it comes just in time and it comes in ways we don't expect and as we persevere, but it also comes day by day. She went away and did as Elijah had told her to do. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word the Lord had spoken by Elijah. The reality is this, so often we want provision year by year. Would that be okay? That's how we want our provision. Lord, just, if you can just give me a year's worth, uh, I'll be good and then we'll talk again in six months about the next year, right? Or, Lord, if you just give me six months worth of, you know what, Lord, it's okay. I can go paycheck to paycheck. Just a week's worth of provision will be good. And God's saying, you know what, so often my provision is going to come to you day by day. And some days it's going to come to you moment by moment. My mercies are new every morning. Aren't you glad for that? My provision is new every day. Just like the manna that came from heaven to provide for the Israelites all those years. God was faithful day after day after day, knew every single morning all that they needed to sustain them and to provide for them. Can I just tell you today that we worry and stress and fuss and fear over all kinds of things, and God wants you to be just reminded today that, you know what, my supply's never exhausted. His supply, his oil's never used up. His flour's never used up. Every single day, God has prepared for you all that you need. There's only, there's only one provision. There's only, there's only one catch to that, and that is this. We have to walk in the will of God. As we follow the will of God, provision will come to us day by day. To receive God's perfect provision, when Elijah was running on empty, think about this, he couldn't go to any city. Elijah couldn't decide, you know what, I'm not going to Zarephath because that's where, that's where Jezebel's father. I'm not going there, right? I'll go over here, God, and if you could provide a widow there, that would be good, right? I'll go with half the plan. No. He couldn't say, you know what, this wit, this wit, I just don't get what you're trying to do here, Lord. There's just no way provision can come from there, so I'll go to the city, but I'll track down somebody who looks like they've got something, some money, some provision, and that's where we'll go. No. You see, we, he had to follow God's plan. And can I just remind you this morning that the way that we get in tune with God's plan, the way that we find the will of God is not to seek the will of God. The way we find the will of God is to seek him. 
to begin to seek God with all of our heart. You see, so many times I think we get wrapped up in, Lord, just show me your will, show me your will, show me your will, and we look all kinds of different ways for it, and some of those methods, in fact, a lot of them have merit. But listen this morning, the way we find the will of God is to get to know his heart, to get into a relationship with him, to speak to him and open our heart for him to speak to us however he chooses. You see, he wants us to know his will because when we know his will and we begin to follow his will, his provision, all of it, all of it is promised. All of the provision of God is right there for us as we walk in the will of God. The problem is so often we try to, we try to journey off on side trips on our own. And it's when we get out here by ourselves that we wonder, God, where are you? Why aren't you providing? And ever so gently he'll whisper to us and say, you know what? You've walked away from me. You, you've taken steps. You've made decisions. You've given up too soon. And then in his grace, aren't you glad in his grace he reaches out to us? He draws us back, and he begins that journey with us again. This past week, um, many of you know that my mom works for, as a consultant for uh, colleges and universities um, that are working toward renewing their program accreditation. And she retired from kind of working in that field uh, most of her life. And the last six years or so, she's kind of been doing this consulting thing and traveling way too much in faraway places, way too far away for her sons to really like it a lot. But she does it anyway and gives us the wink and says, I'll be okay and that kind of thing. But, um, but she's still doing that. And uh, uh, no stranger to travel, no stranger to itineraries, no stranger to mass transit, all of that stuff. She's just been doing that for so many years now, just like second nature. And, and we talked about it this week. Uh, she, she called me and she said, hey, uh, uh, i got some travels coming up. I'm, I'm going to San Diego, and then I've got to go from there to Chicago, and then I'll be at home Wednesday. And kind of went through her whole plan with us. And, and so she left Wednesday, and she flew from Indy to Phoenix, and she was going to catch a connecting flight there uh, that was going to take her to San Diego. And when she landed in Phoenix, she texted me and said, oh boy, a lot of things delayed today, kind of got a layover here. And so about an hour later, she texted me back, and here was her text. Oh my goodness, I booked a f my flight to Los Angeles instead of San Diego. I'm trying to get a different flight, but my bags are on their way to L.A. That's what she texted me. Then she sent me a text a, few, a little, little while later, and she said, I paid my $199, and I got my flight changed to San Diego, but my return flight at home is also out of Los Angeles. She's like, what a mess, you know, she's just so frustrated. So she pays the $199, she gets on the plane for Los Angeles, about halfway into the flight to LA, right? She, she said, I thought I should open my itinerary and look at my itinerary for the week so I kind of know what's going on. She said, when I looked at the itinerary, I, I realized that, her, that my meeting wasn't in San Diego. It was in Los Angeles. So in other words, she should have just kept on the flight she was on, and yet she had it in her mind that she was uh, supposed to go to San Diego, and she's on her way now to San Diego and realizes I'm supposed to be in Los Angeles. So she said the plane landed there in San Diego, and she had to get, go to the train station, get a train ticket, right, $73 to get a ticket to L.A., then $68 Uber to get from the, from the train station to the airport, right, where her luggage is. Then she picks up her luggage and pays another big bill to get from there back to the hotel where she should have been to begin with. Yeah, I wore out just telling about it. I don't know how she made it through all that. <laughs> I share the story because all of this could have been avoided. 
All of this could have been avoided if she would have just looked at the itinerary before she left. If she would have just looked at the instructions that had been given to her. Here's what I want you to realize. Her way to L.A. was paid for. The way to L.A., all the provision was provided. She didn't have to do anything except just get on the right plane at the right time and make her way there. She had to trust the plan and, if you will, enjoy the ride, right? Trust the plan. But her misunderstanding cost her. Now, for us, here's the reality. Often it's not a misunderstanding. A lot of times we start the journey and we make our way. But yet somewhere along the way we decide, you know what, I'm not too crazy about this destination for whatever reason. And we begin to make changes on our own that send us different ways. And before we know it, the costs begin to add up, trying to go our own way. And if you've done it this morning, say amen. All right, me too, right? You know what I'm talking about. Instead of just following God's plan and allowing his provision to take care of all we need, we try to do it on our own. And we try to go our own way and fix it ourselves instead of just slowing down and persevering, knowing that God will provide. I want you to think about this this morning. Just like for my mom, there was a ripple effect of her misunderstanding, right? Ripple effect of that. There's a ripple effect when we make the wrong choices. Ripple effect. Affects people around us, affects our family. When we, do the, when we make the choices to go our own way and do our own thing, ripple effect. Can I also remind you today that there is a ripple effect when we follow the will of God? There's a ripple effect to our lives when we do what God asks us to do. When we get in tune with his will for us, when we die to self and say, you know what, I'm tired of living for myself, I'm tired of doing my own thing, Lord, I want to know you and I want to know your plan for my life. And by the way, it's never too late for that, aren't you glad? But when we get in tune with that, there's a ripple effect to that too. Can I remind you that Elijah's obedience, Elijah's obedience resulted, resulted in a ripple effect that made a difference to the widow and to her son. Because he obeyed, they had all the provision they needed as well. Think about that. There are people in your lives that, the, that just because you follow the will of God, they receive the blessing through you. If you have young children today and you're following the will of God, they are blessed because you're obeying God. Amen? If you have adult children, and maybe, if they're, maybe they're walking with God, I just want you to know that the result of you saying yes to the will of God, it, it has a ripple effect. And if you're standing strong in the midst of difficult situations, even when you're running on empty, there's a ripple effect to that when you persevere. But we have to trust, and we have to believe that God is able to provide for us, and that begins as we obey his plan and open our heart to him. Maybe your plans have changed this morning, and because of your own, and you would just admit, say, I know that I've walked away from where God is leading. I'm doing what I want to do right now. I admit that. I sense God is calling me back to himself. I just want you to know today that the grace of God that we sung about this morning, he's reaching out and he's drawing you back today. He loves you. He wants nothing more than you to be walking on the path with him. All the provision that you need is available. Maybe there's roadblocks right now in your path. Maybe maybe you're facing the biggest roadblock you've ever faced and you're wondering, God, are you here? God, are you going to provide? I want you to know that he's here this morning. And that you can seek him in the midst of this roadblock. You can seek him today and desire for him to work in your life and give you the assurance 
that he's with you. And maybe this morning you just need to say, you know what, I know that I need to know the will of God for my life. I want to walk with him and in his plan. I want you to know the way you find it today is by drawing near to him. So the Holy Spirit, he's speaking, he's drawing us this morning. The question is, will we humble ourselves and open our hearts and receive the provision that he wants to give us today? I'd like for Pastor Nathan to come. I'd like for you to stand with me this morning. And I want to invite you to come and and pray. We need him today. We need God to work in our lives in fresh ways. Father, we love you this morning. We're so thankful, Lord, for your faithfulness to us. We're grateful today that you never give up on us, that you love us, you never give up on us. Today you're speaking to all of our hearts. Lord, you have, you have drawn me closer because of this study, this message. It's worked in my life. And Lord, I pray this morning that as you remind right now through the power of your Holy Spirit, and as you call, and as you draw people to you, Lord, help us to make the choice to come and pray and seek you today. We love you, Lord. As our heads are